When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Edgar Blazona, a modernist American furniture designer and the founder of the wildly popular DTC sofa brand Benchmade Modern, a high school dropout turned graffiti artist turned serial entrepreneur. We're going to hear all about his incredible journey today. Edgar, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started in the furniture industry? You know, I grew up in San Francisco in high school. Uh, you know, I left or left the house early. I was living on my own, still in high school. And I had a small apartment. Uh, I had no furniture and no money. And so I decided I'd try to build my own. And, and I, I, I learned how to weld. And literally taking two, you know, the welder pieces together. This is before YouTube or anything like that. You know, I hope I don't kill myself kind of thing. And and uh, taught myself how to weld and made a dining table and chairs and ended up selling it at a small gallery. I had $400 for those two pieces, which was like, you know, more money than I'd seen in one time in my life at that point. And I've been in the furniture business ever since. Well, that is absolutely incredible. Talk a little bit about your journey along the way, because that isn't the only adversity you've had to overcome, right? Yeah, I mean, there's been all kinds of things. You know, I, I, I had a small cabinet business. I decided I'd go full-fledged into this. And I, I, you know, I dropped out of high school. You know, it was too big for my own britches. 
And uh, I had a, started a small cabinet shop. I was making, you know, self-taught again. I was making kitchens for people. I was pushing wood through a saw. And I realized one day, like, it's going to be a long, long time before I'm able to get that summer house that I've always dreamed of, you know, by pushing wood through this saw. So I, I closed my company down. I had one employee. You know, I came in. I said, look, you know, here's a month's salary. Um, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go learn from the big boys. And I, I shut my business down. I took a job at Pottery Barn. I taught them, you know, a few things. I, I was kind of the troublemaker there, you know, believe it or not. Imagine that. I was the troublemaker there. And I, I showed them a bunch of problems that they had. And I basically said, hey, and I can fix these for you. But that involved me going overseas and fixing them in the factory. And they reluctantly said yes. And I went over to China. I fixed the problem. And I soon became the fix-it guy. But my real reason for doing all that was I wanted to learn how to scale a factory. You know, what was a factory really like? I'd never even been in a real factory. And so that really helped me kind of learn, you know, what it will take to really scale. And I had a plan the whole time, you know, go through that like kind of college from Pottery Barn and then start my own business later. And uh, it worked out. Well, that is obviously an understatement. Now, the um, how did uh, Benchmade Modern come about? So Benchmade came from, I, I had another brand called True Modern. And we started, I was importing product. I, I was designing for another company and started this, this new company on my own, kind of in the background. We were importing product. And, and back in 2007, 2008, I had multiple warehouses, one on each coast. And all of a sudden, the economy shifted, and I got stuck with all this furniture sitting in these warehouses and no one buying, you know, and I had rent stacking up and all this. I mean, my sales went down to one piece a week. I mean, that was just, it was nothing. And I realized that I needed to find a better way. And so I thought about sofas and the fact that they're somewhat custom made. So I started making these sofas custom. And I tell you, no one took me serious back then in the sofa business. And in order to get into the sofa business, I was buying sofas at retail and I was selling them at retail. So basically that making- doesn't leave much margin. <laughs> no, yeah, no margin at all, right? Because when I went to these sofa manufacturers, they were like, sorry, man, you're not in the sofa business. You know, we could make you one for at retail. And so I convinced one to make them at retail, my designs, you know, and I, I'd- basically buy them for, you know, $1,500. And then I'd sell them for $1,500. I did that for about six months. And I went to the next guy and said, Hey, man, I'm in the sofa business. I need, you know, I'm looking for some competitive pricing, you know, and turns out that sofa's is worth about $750, you know, half of, of, of the 1500, you know, wholesale. And, and so that kind of put me in the business. And what I learned there was, you know, being in the Bay Area, and being in this, you know, frankly, tech gold rush, you know, there's so much venture money around. There was never venture money around for the furniture business. And through all the years, you know, these venture businesses coming and going, furniture and direct to consumer was never a thing. And at that point, Casper was out, uh, Dollar Shave Club was out, and there was starting to see some success. So I dreamt up Benchmade Modern. We were making sofas in as little as 24 hours. Um, I had to build my own factory to prove to the world that we could even do that. Uh, and then I raised capital and, and, and really took my old business, what I learned from there, brought it into the new world 
raised some capital, created Benchmade Modern, started making sofas, you know, within 24 hours. Now, funny thing is, turns out people don't even want a sofa in 24 hours because they think that uh, the quality can't be there. If, you know, restoration hardware and Pottery Barn and all those guys can't get you a sofa in 24 hours, you know, the quality must not be there. So I had to work through those hurdles as well. Um, but then here we are today, you know, making uh, at, at one point right before the pandemic, we were at about 10 days and now we're at about five weeks, unfortunately, but we'll get back to those 10 days. Awesome. How did you, I mean, you reinvented kind of how that process happens. How, if people are used to, let's say those, those, you know, you order something at the furniture store and it's going to be months before you get it. How were you able, how did you re-engineer that process to deliver something so fast? Well, truth be told, with the 24-hour stuff, we just created a space within our manufacturing time to allow for inserting a product basically to the front of the line. And, you know, I mean, you would imagine it takes a long time in a, in a factory setting. I mean, we do a few little tricks here and there to keep it fast. But a majority of the process that takes so long, one is the line. There's just a big line in front of you. And two, it's weird things like, and frankly, you know, like, do they have the fabric? You know, a retailer will sell you a red sofa, let's say, and they don't even know if the factory has the fabric. And frankly, the factory is so archaic, they don't even know that they have the fabric, right? So you've got all these things and people got to go check and got to have a lot of paperwork and a lot of exchanges back and forth and all that. So we really work to cut out all of that middleman stuff and create a process that was quick and easy. The 24-hour thing, we basically front of the line. It really only takes about 10, 8 to 10 hours to make a sofa in general. So you can imagine if we just plug it into the front of the line, we have all the materials, we can get it done. Turns out people don't like their sofa made faster than they can get it delivered to them. And that really was the rear sticking point. And, you know, FedEx and UPS has really changed the way we mentally think about shipping. But the sofa industry, the trucking industry, is not really doing it like that. And so there's a huge difference between manufacturing time and delivery and shipping time, so to speak. How have you, I mean, that's, how have you educated the consumer about that? And what kind of pushback did you have to overcome? Well, we did. We tried really hard in the beginning to, to talk a lot about quality and, and timeline and, and all of that. We kind of, you know, got to a point where we found that the, frankly, look, let's just be clear. A lot of it's just trial and error, right? If, when I do this, how much feedback do I get? You know, the data, you know, all that's hocus pocus, right? It's really just like, when I do this, does the customer complain? Or do they write about how happy they are, you know? And so as we changed and, you know, pivoted and moved and all that, we found that about 10 days was kind of the sweet spot of, you know, manufacturing timeline to trucking to happy customer. We got the least amount of negative feedback at about the 10 to 14 day timeline. That's incredible. In 2020, you more than, you know, increased your business more than 100%. Yeah. How'd you pull that off during a pandemic? Well, look, pandemic, you know, unfortunately, and it's, it's hard to even say this because so many people had such a tough time. In our category, people were in the house, right? So they're sitting on their sofas day in and day out. 
And they're thinking, man, this is such a janky, you know, look how janky my living room is, right? Like, I am not liking this. You know, they're in their homes much more and they're looking at their stuff much more. And in our category, you know, our kind of customer base and all that, you know, they're not spending money on vacations. They're not spending money on, you know, luxurious things outside of the home. So that freed up actually some capital for inside the home. And so we found people, you know, were, were, were spending on their interiors. So in a, in a way, we kind of, you know, we, we, we did okay in a pandemic. Now, the hard thing was when we had to shut down, you know, we all thought, oh my God, you know, we're going to die this, this, you know, this disease and, and all that. So we started making masks and early on when masks were hard to get, we shut our factory down and we got masks and, and we started making these masks kind of trial and error. We started putting, you know, sewing in uh, pipe cleaners into the nose bridge, right? To kind of have a little metal thing there, right? Using our fabrics, you know, doing the best we could. That kept our people, you know, in business. It kept our, um, it kept our, our, our wheels turning. Um, and it made some happy customers as well. And, and then we later on were able to get back to really manufacturing and, and get back to, you know, a, a proper business. How, how did you get the word out? How have you, tell, talk about the marketing that's grown your brands. Yeah, we, we you know, obviously we do all the, the typical, um, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Google and all that. I tell you one thing that's really helped us is our press. You know, we, we really stand by our product. You know, if you look at my Twitter feed uh, at Edgar Blazona, you'll find like my, my top pin is, is me saying to the rest of you sofa manufacturers, let's battle old school style. Let's send our sofas each to some writer, some magazine, something like that. Let them sit in them. Let them tear it apart. Let them look at them. And whoever is the winner is crowned Sofa King, right? And, and we'll see. So I really stand behind my product. And, and so I use that press moment to, you know, get people to take a look at our stuff, sit in it, feel it. And, you know, frankly, our stuff is better than the most. Now, it is more expensive, right? We're at the higher end of, of that category. Um, but I talk a lot about what's under the hood and, and, I put the best materials and, you know, people ask me like, why do you spend so much money on, on the materials that go into the sofa? And it's kind of, um, you know, it's a little bit of a selfish thing. I don't want to hear from you after we bought, after you bought a sofa. Like, I don't want you to come back and say, you know, oh, my cushions fell apart or whatever. I, I want you to just have your sofa and, and be done and I'll focus on the next customer. So there's a little bit of selfishness there. Uh, but what that what that turns to is it turns to a really high quality product. And so the question you asked was, you know, how do we get our stuff out there? Our press has been everything. You know, we were in the New York Times really early on. We were best sofa online sofa at Wirecutter, two years running. I mean, you know, we really we really put ourselves out there to say, go ahead, let's compete and and tear us apart and and see if you can. And and it's really worked out uh, to our advantage. You've achieved so much success. What's your biggest challenge now? Wow, what is my biggest challenge now? Um, I think marketing is still probably a big challenge. Hiring is a big challenge. You know, having great people. Um, the, the pandemic has kind of helped with that because I've always come from this, 
you know, hire where they live mentality, you know, well before, you know, people were working from home. I was always like, let's just hire them wherever they live. Let them work from home. Let them, you know, and, and if they don't do their job, then that's a whole nother story. But I don't need them in the office. It, it, it's, we struggle with company culture because it's hard to have company culture over Zoom meetings daily and, and all that. But, we, but we're able to get good people. And so, you know, hiring is always, always hard. I would say that's a big challenge. Um, and I would say marketing, you know, the marketing world, you know, keeps moving, you know, Facebook changes their algorithm, Apple decides they, you know, they don't want to work with Facebook in the same way. And, you know, it's always this kind of moving target uh, and some things work suddenly and then some things are broken suddenly. And you're wondering, what did we do wrong? What did we change, you know, that now isn't driving the same customers? Absolutely. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? Oh my God. You know what I love best about what I'm doing? I call it the magic sofa. There's a thing with sofas that is, if I were to offer you $2,000 per se, I'm going to give you $2,000. You would say, sweet, thanks. If I were to give you a 2000 sofa, you'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Like this is the greatest day ever. You know, I love giving that magic sofa, you know, like we gave sofas away to the nurses, you know, during, during the pandemic, like I can't help COVID wise in the hospitals, but I can make sure that some of these nurses are coming home and sitting on, on good stuff. I love giving a magic sofa away. It's such a, it's a feeling of, of, of helping others, you know, we're, we're giving something to them that they wouldn't necessarily be spending their money on. Um, and it's a really, really nice feeling. And, and that, that, that probably makes my day uh, the most. And honestly, the other thing is the quality thing. I know it sounds cheesy. It sounds like I'm selling my sofas. I'm really not. I, I love when my friends order a sofa and they're like, man, I had no idea. I had no idea your stuff was so good. And it, it, it makes my day because that's what I achieve, right? That's as a designer, as a builder. Like that's most valuable to me. And that's where I stand. Absolutely. Now, um, I got to ask in your, your spare time, um, you've got some hobbies with your family. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, my spare time. Well, I love to ski. Um, I, you know, look, my kids are playing baseball these days. I love, you know, going to their games and doing that. Um, we, we ski a lot. We wakeboard. I still skateboard. You know, I, I, I grew up with this. I was a skater as a kid and I was like, ride or die. I will skateboard till I'm dead, you know? And I, I remember a day when I gave my skateboard to like my cool uncle, you know, and he got on it and he fell right on his butt, you know, like instantly. And I was like, so bummed, like any coolness that he had just evaporated right there. And I remember saying to myself, I will be able to skateboard with my kids when they grow up and are old enough to skateboard. And so I still skateboard with my kids today. We go to the skate park and all that. So uh, I love doing that. I love skiing. We do a little bit of wakeboarding behind the boat and all that ride dirt bikes. You know, I'm, I'm not like most Californians, you know, most Californians are like, what, you know, I don't get, get on a dirt bike or most of them in the Bay area don't even know, you know, what boating is about oddly. So so those are kind of the things that I like to do. Awesome. Well, we greatly appreciate your time. We know it's incredibly valuable. What else do you want to share that I haven't thought to cover yet? 
Oh, man. Um, well, I would say if you go to our site, um, a couple of things I'm proud of there, order some swatches. You know, we send this giant box of swatches. There's hundred, a hundred fabrics. It's an amazing box. My whole strategy is be the first one in the house. So we send that to you in two days and we're the most impressive. And it basically signals to you, I mean business, right? Like I'm not a flash in the pan, you know, business. Like I mean business and I mean quality. And I think you see that. The other thing that, that I think that, that you have to dig into the site a little bit, I don't know that we've done a great job doing that, you know, putting it up front, but, you know, I send you, I can send you a full scale printout uh, of the sofa. So if you say you want a corner sectional, right, and our sofas are custom by the inch up to, you know, in the five inch increments, and you have this giant corner sectional, I send you a full scale paper plot that you can lay out on the floor of whatever custom sofa you wanted and see like where the cushion line up. Do, does your, let's say your husband fit in between the arms while he's trying to take a nap, you know, all of that. And we, we do this whole kind of old scale, you know, paper. It's not virtual reality or anything like that. It's kind of going back to the old school. So I'm pretty proud of those, of those little tricks. Um, so definitely check those out if, if you can. And, and, um, and happy to, uh, Happy to, to, to help, for sure. That is awesome. Well, this has been Seth Green with Sharkpreneur with Edgar Blazona of BenchmadeModern.com. Edgar, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. That was fun. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.